Welcome to World of Soundtracks, a monthly podcast where we explore storytelling aspects in films and TV through music. Whether it is comparing book adaptations, observing themes over a series, or microanalyzing the choice of instruments, we look at how the story is told and moves us. I am your host, Ruth Mudge, and today we will be looking at the 1996 movie of Emma. This is the first of a three-parter on various adaptations of the story Emma by Jane Austen. Each one is unique and focuses on different qualities of the story, and the music reflects the vision of each adaptation. In this case, the 1996 movie of Emma featuring Gwyneth Paltrow is the romantic comedy version, excluding Clueless, of course. Like the episodes on Pride and Prejudice, I am aware that everyone has their favorite version of Emma, both in regards to faithfulness to the book, as well as how it makes you feel. I invite you to listen to the music and notice what each adaptation seems to portray about Emma herself, as well as the characters around her. The soundtrack for this movie and the more recent movie version of Emma were composed by women. In fact, Rachel Portman, the composer of this version, won an Academy Award for the soundtrack of Emma. At that point, there were still two categories for original score, so she won for Best Musical or Comedy Score. It is especially notable that this was the first time a woman had won in that category. She has since been nominated for Cedar House Rules and Chocolat. Rachel Portman is a British composer and has been writing a variety of scores since the 80s, including several other period dramas or adaptations, such as A Little Princess, Nicholas Nickleby, Oliver Twist, The Duchess, and Belle. She has her own unique sound in how she uses instruments, melody, and harmonies to the point that you can usually recognize a Rachel Portman score. The focus is much more on how it makes you feel and setting a mood than being period accurate in imitating music of the time. In that vein, unlike Pride and Prejudice or even Sense and Sensibility, this Emma is not trying to emulate the sounds of the classical era through certain harmonies or rhythmic structures. It is, however, still similar in being a very classical orchestration, using strings, solo winds, harp, and the occasional brass. This is also one of the few Jane Austen adaptations that does not feature piano in the accompanying score. The only time we hear it is when Emma or Jane are performing at the Coles' party. Romantic comedies were really big in the 90s, but the choice of a classical orchestra is important because it still tonally sets you in an older time, while the harmonies connect with a modern audience. Clueless was also an Emma adaptation, coming out around the same time, but it followed the natural expectations of a rom-com, including a lot of pop music that sets it clearly in the 90s. Having pop music would be a bit jarring for the Regency period, and so it is made softer and more romantic by the use of classical instruments. This may seem second nature to us, but the lines are blurring much more now between modern sounds and period dramas. One other interesting observation of all three Emma adaptations is the focus of harp to represent Emma and her world. It is a charming instrument often seen as romantic, but also an instrument that seems to indicate a certain level of wealth and class. For a woman who knows how the world should be run, this choice of instrument helps give a level of status and elegance. 
However, in this version, it is the clarinet that is used for Emma's primary voice, often reflecting her emotional journey, according to an interview with Rachel Portman, being a bittersweet instrument. It can convey the more introspective moments, as well as the joyful ones, giving the story and music depth. This Emma has a lot of romantic idealism and works from a prideful and naive belief that she knows everything about love and who should belong together. Even the grumpy disapproval of Mr. Knightley at times is met with a greater sense of humor and forbearance towards Emma's choices the majority of the time. This version follows Emma and is through her eyes and lens, including several voiceovers of her thoughts, as well as writing in her diary. Because this is clearly Emma's story, the main melody has an opening motif that carries throughout the entire movie connecting the narrative. Many of Jane Austen movies depend on music for transitions, and this movie uses either a motif heard in the clarinet, or it depends on comedy connecting a visual such as held hands, or a sentence finishing one scene and then starting a new one. There's only one time where both the music and visual transitions are used together. The main melody starts in the harp, over a few open harmonies or suspensions in the violins, matching the floating or spinning feeling with the painted globe and the stars. The time signature is in three, which gives it a dance-like quality similar to a waltz, and the lower part in the harp keeps the bass note the same, which is a pedal tone, while alternating the pattern in open harmonies each measure. The open harmonies means that it's keeping out the third of the chord, which tells us whether it is major or minor. Horns and clarinet add depth to the sound as the title of Emma is shown. Flute is then added, keeping the sound high with the second part of this melody as all the characters and places are shown painted on the globe. It is a theme that will appear, reflecting Emma's inner journey the most, being either at home with friends, her father, and Mr. Knightley, or when she has an inner dialogue about how she is feeling. As the focus is on the picture of Emma herself, the clarinet plays her motif, which is the first few notes of the theme.
For those who may have a hard time hearing the movement of the harp clearly and how the harmonies move, there is a new piano suite that Rachel Portman released this spring in honor of the 25th anniversary. I believe she is the one playing the piano. melody changes throughout the story depending on Emma's journey. This determines whether it is fast, slow, major, or minor, or in the case of the opening wedding reception for the Westons, it switches time signatures to 6-8 and goes twice as fast, fitting more of the wedding scene by reducing the ensemble from an orchestra to a string quartet. While the feel is still in a compound meter or a feeling of three, the feeling of 6-8 often resembles more of a jig or a reel than a waltz. There is a different kind of energy provided that matches the joy and the comedy of the dialogue. Then the bittersweet clarinet plays as the transition is shown to Emma, who is in fact sad to be losing her friend and governess before the transition to Hartfield, with the flute playing Emma's motif. I happen to love bookends in stories that connect the beginning and the end. This has two different but related bookends, which is quite lovely. The movie opens with a wedding for Miss Taylor, and that same faster, jaunty 6-8 version returns for Emma's wedding, but this time is much fuller. Instead of a background string quartet, the whole orchestra is playing, including trumpets, which are saved for this moment. It is an instrument of celebration and declaration. The trumpets play as Emma and Mr. Knightley are seen walking down the outside aisle amongst all their friends, and then the trumpet finishes with the last time we hear Emma's opening theme, seeing all the friends in their various groupings and painted again, just the way they were introduced in the beginning of the film.
The other bookend is that the opening titles and the end titles use almost the same music, except it is a bit more full in orchestration and uses the trumpets at the end. I also love that the clarinet motif is the last thing heard. Emma always gets the last word. We're just going to hear just the very end of the end titles since we already heard the main titles at the beginning. three different emotional threads in Emma's story that uses this theme the most. The primary one being the relationship between herself and Mr. Knightley. While we hear it first in regards to her declaration that Mr. Elton will next benefit from her help to both Mr. Knightley and her father, the emotional connection is heard after their reconciliation following their disagreement over Harriet and Robert Martin. The clarinet, Emma's instrument, plays the melody over the harp as Mr. Knightley seeks to reconcile as a close friend while connecting over their baby niece and finally shaking hands. returns again in a slower tempo near the end of Mr. Knightley's badly done speech after Emma insulted Miss Bates. As he reminds her that Miss Bates has watched her grow up and now is humbled in front of all their friends. At first, the clarinet plays over a single-held chord that moves slowly before the harp enters, giving space for his speech and Emma hearing it. The flute then takes a melody over minor chords as he tells her that he gives his counsel while he still can. The horns fill in the space during this moment to bring a gravity and depth to the scene as we see Emma cry with her back to Mr. Knightley.
Mr. Knightley is then determined to leave for London, and as he says goodbye, kissing Emma's hand, the clarinet plays the melody again with the violin and flute playing a response in the spaces, giving it a romantic feeling while she looks vaguely confused by her emotions. is her instrument, it is only fitting that it continues with the melody along with the violins as Emma realizes that she loves Mr. Knightley. However, because she becomes aware of this only after Harriet tells her that she believes Mr. Knightley returns her affections, it plays over minor strings until she tells Mrs. Weston that she loves Mr. Knightley, and then the music swells turning into major as the flute, harp, and violin take the melody and counter melody with horns swelling. Mr. Knightley returns and tries to express why he envies Frank Churchill, while Emma panics and shuts him down. The main melody returns again in the clarinet, but again in minor, as he walks away, showing hurt and deep disappointment by both parties. Underneath is played alternating minor seconds in the cellos, which until this point has been used for dramatic moments both humorous or dangerous. While this doesn't fit into those categories, it is one of the more life-altering moments for Emma, and while the music is more subdued, it does show how high the emotional stakes have become.
Thankfully, Emma does seek to apologize quickly, no longer just imagining things in her head, but willing to listen to what Mr. Knightley says. Once he admits that he went to the wrong place to get her out of his mind, we start hearing many variations of the theme, beginning, unsurprisingly at this point, with a clarinet and strings. It grows slowly along with a proposal, first with chords just quietly held and with very little movement to give space for his speech. The harp enters as the melody repeats, and Emma starts to realize that he loves her and not Harriet. The flute and violins then soar as Emma says she is awakening from a dream along with the horn swells. High violins are often used for either romantic climaxes of a story or for soaring epic scenes. There is a brief pause in the music as Mr. Knightley asks Emma to marry him, and then the soaring returns as he repeats the question broadening out the melody in a slower version to match the emotions of the couple as they kiss. then freaks out briefly about her father, realizing she can't leave him and therefore can't marry Mr. Knightley. Once he offers to live at Hartfield with her, the clarinet plays her theme once more, before the soaring proposal music returns as they kiss once again and the camera moves farther away. At this point, the narration of Mrs. Weston enters as the characters are seen rejoicing. 
but then the music slows down and becomes more intimate with the flute and harp, as Emma tells Harriet, finishing in minor as Harriet leaves upset. This leads us into the second thread of Emma's journey, with her relationship with Harriet. Most of this theme is sadder and often in minor in regards to how she led Harriet astray and the emotional consequences of her misguided matchmaking. This mellow sound of the clarinet returns again in an even slower version when Emma has to tell Harriet about Mr. Elton proposing to herself, with the melody going from clarinet to flute to oboe as she is deeply sorry about bringing disappointment to Harriet and admiring how Harriet is taking the news. In the middle, the violin plays as a counter-melody with the flute, a duet between the two ladies having an affection for each other, becoming friends with Harriet no longer just being a project anymore. This portion of the music takes the second part of the main melody and creates a variation of it. In fact, much of the music throughout this film is loosely based on the main theme, connecting it all together. This is Emma Tells Harriet About Mr. Elton. Oboe is the most melancholy of the wind instruments in sound and timbre, so it feels appropriate to use this instrument as Harriet decides to burn her treasures for Mr. Elton in the presence of Emma. This is the first time the theme is heard in minor, as she explains what they are and why they were precious to her, as she finally says goodbye to Mr. Elton. 
This leads us into the third thread, which is Emma's diary times, most frequently over Frank Churchill. The opening harp and strings melody returns as Emma writes in her diary believing she is in love with Frank, despite the fact that she expected love to feel different. Later on, she writes in her diary that she is in fact not in love with Frank, but then thinks that Harriet and Frank would be a wonderful couple. This brings back that flute and violin variation, but in a much happier setting, being both in major and a faster tempo as she longs to bring happiness to her friend. The flute and violin duet returns as Emma writes in her diary that she was trying not to think about Mr. Knightley, especially in regards to the daisies in Lamb's Dew. Once Harriet returns to let Emma know that she's accepted Robert Martin's proposal, Emma's theme returns one last time in the clarinet as she declares that she happily relinquishes her sad attempts at being a matchmaker, and her joy is complete now that Harriet herself is happy. Emma basically has two comedic themes, with them usually being connected to her matchmaking. One starts out with her melody theme before branching out. The other involves much more of the bassoon for Mr. Elton. This is not the first slightly pompous clergyman who gets the bassoon, as it is also used for Mr. Collins in the 1995 miniseries of Pride and Prejudice. The bassoon does get the bad rap of being used for buffoons and other comic characters. This theme also involves much more pizzicato in the strings, another way of having short notes with space for comedy, and a lot more pauses to match what is being seen on screen. This theme, while used primarily for matchmaking, is also used for gossip and awkward humorous scenarios. An essential part of a comedic score is to match musically what is shown, and that is one of the main purposes of this theme. We first hear the bassoon as Mr. Elton is seen entering Hartfield for a party, and then the comedic motif is played in the clarinet, along with violin, as Mr. Elton is introduced to Harriet. The beginning of Emma's schemes have begun. However, it is really when Emma starts meddling, along with giving hints during embroidery, that this comedic theme is heard in full force. There are many pauses as Emma plants seeds that Mr. Martin was perhaps not as thoughtful for getting the romance book, the music matching the timing of what she says, and then as Harriet takes these words in. Of course, it is the clarinet that plays the main theme for Emma, 
and the bassoon responding as she plants seeds for Mr. Elton being the thoughtful one. The other prominent comedic theme for Emma starts with the opening notes of the main melody before it changes. Not only does the melody change at that point, but it changes the mood first by being in four instead of three, so the rhythm has changed. It also bridges the gap between Emma's lyrical and emotional theme and the previous comedy theme that we just heard. This version is more upbeat and uses both the underlying rhythm of the lower strings as well as more rests and staccatos. The rhythm underneath has the lower strings playing on beat one and the middle strings playing the off beats or syncopations. One and, and one and, and one and, and. This provides both movement and also the feeling of a dance. This is the more lighthearted, kindly meant, but convinced her way is the right way theme. This theme appears as Harriet and Emma begin to spend time together with Harriet catching butterflies and sharing about the Martins. The clarinet plays the melody as Emma is beginning her newest project of getting Harriet together with Mr. Elton while also getting to know Harriet herself. This melody returns later as Emma is painting Harriet's portrait in the viewing of Mr. Elton. The flute plays the melody as Mr. Elton makes flattering comments that Emma and Harriet interpret being for Harriet especially after Mr. Knightley tells Emma that she painted Harriet too tall. The clarinet and horn enters later as Mr. Elton offers to get the picture framed in London. This theme returns again during Emma and Mr. Knightley's disagreement over Harriet refusing Mr. Barton. As they are drinking tea, Mr. Knightley guesses that Emma is trying to get Harriet together with Mr. Elton, and that it will not work. The theme is played in the bassoon for comedy, and the accompaniment matches their back and forth as Emma denies it. Another bassoon changes the bass line rhythm to a tango rhythm, which then is repeated in trombones. 
This matches their frustration, which you can only do with someone you know this well, and then it also adds to the tension. Using trombones adds weight and provides a very different color from most of the higher timbres throughout the score. It is when Mr. Elton escorts Emma and Harriet home after visiting the poor that both of these comedic themes are heard together. The first one is heard with the clarinet, while pauses occur as Emma tries to encourage Harriet to share what she did, while Harriet suddenly remembers knocking off baskets and getting a leaf stuck on her shawl. The music matches the humor of what Emma is trying to arrange with the actuality of what happened. As she sends them on their way after a pretense of needing to fix her shoelace, the other theme comes in the flute, moving faster and faster as the kid she walks beside is in a hurry. The music swells as she imagines she is coming across a proposal, only to be disappointed that they are talking about celery root, with a clarinet finishing it off.
Sleigh Bells or Jingle Bells are the newest instrument addition to the second melody, as Emma and her father pick up Mr. Elton for the Christmas party. Sleigh Bells have been used for almost every Christmas movie scene of recent decades, even though it was originally a sound associated with winter, thanks to the 1857 song Jingle Bells, and several classical pieces, including Prokofiev's Troika in 1934, being one of the first to use it in a movie score. However, it is Mozart who is one of the first to feature sleigh bells in music in his piece Sleigh Ride from Three German Dances in 1791. This instrument association makes it easy for the audience to know what season we are in once we hear the sleigh bells, not to mention seeing carriages and sleighs moving around. While it may seem more modern in our association of Christmas instead of the overall season of winter, using sleigh bells still fits the time period here in Mr. Elton's rejection. The story takes a more serious turn for a while, so the main humorous themes don't return again until Harriet runs into Mr. Martin after her refusal of his proposal. While Emma is focused on finding a match for Harriet, she cannot help being intrigued by Frank Churchill, so it is only fitting that the humorous matchmaking theme should return as she is searching for an invitation to the Coles. The other theme returns in the clarinet, with a solo violin responding as Mr. Frank Churchill gossips with Emma and plants the seeds for Mr. Dixon giving Jane Fairfax the pianoforte at the Coles' party. There are a few key pauses as he suggests an idea of Mrs. Dixon, and then they walk closer up the piano before he suggests Mr. Dixon, reeling Emma in with his ideas. should be worth noting that the same music is used for when Emma suggests things to Harriet and now Frank Churchill is suggesting things to Emma. It's the same music, slightly different instrumentation, but the same idea of planting seeds and perhaps even a little bit of misdirection. Now what better way to include bassoon over pizzicato than when the Eltons come for tea? It is a bit intermittent throughout their exchanges both to highlight the awkwardness of them arriving, then as they discuss Bath being good for Mr. Woodhouse's health while walking across the room. But then the tea portion is in silence, to add to the level of awkward silence, 
only hearing the birds and clocks in the background. The second theme plays immediately after this, in the clarinet, as Emma complains to Harriet about the visit, wondering if Mr. Elton found Mrs. Elton in a mental infirmary, and that the only thing to do would be to throw a party for her. Last time we hear this theme is at the picnic, as once again Emma is seeking to matchmake Harriet, this time with Frank Churchill, but not saying his name, and so they speak to each other in confidence, but speaking of two completely different people. The other theme or motif that returns in a few different forms is the very dramatic music, including alternating low half-steps in the lower instruments, often cellos and basses. This alternation is probably the most famous in Jaws by John Williams, but slightly more terrifying. While John Williams does not own the use of minor seconds, I don't think it was entirely coincidence that it is used in a slightly more humorous but still dramatic part throughout Emma. It is first heard after Mr. Elton's proposal in the carriage, and both he and Emma turn away from each other as he is taken home, both of them suffering from hurt pride as much as anything else, while the violas play the back and forth, and the brass and strings add accents and almost over-the-top gravitas.
The other overdramatic use of this music is when Emma replaces Harriet's picture with a painting of a dog in the middle of the night, being jealous over Mr. Knightley during Mr. Knightley Returns. This version keeps mostly to strings, so it is slightly more subdued, but it still gets the point across. The other moment that uses this idea is more serious, as they are attacked by the gypsies. So it takes the idea, but swaps which note is starting, so it starts from the bottom instead of the top note. It also goes much slower and is played in lower violins, bringing up the timbre or color to give a sense of unease. Usually, if it is a truly scary situation, music is either very low or very high. While this changes where the register is played, it does not go to the very high horror range. This leads to unease, but no one is truly in danger. There's also a swell in the trombones, which actually reminds me a bit of the TV show Lost, as it gets the most intense, and Frank Churchill comes to the rescue. The clarinet finishes with the motif as they transition with them holding hands, being rescued into the drawing room the one place that uses both the music and the visuals for a transition in this movie. We already touched on this earlier, but that same alternation of minor half-steps does return when Mr. Knightley walks away, thinking that he is being rejected by Emma right before the proposal. It's not as scary or overdramatically funny as the previous times, but it does more reflect the feelings within regarding the seriousness of their emotions, believing that the other person does not love them. Now, I can't finish a podcast on Jane Austen adaptations without talking about the songs and dances. Like many other of the adaptations, they chose to use songs from classical music. In any version of Emma, it must be very clear that the choice of music, as well as the execution, reflects that Jane Fairfax is better trained than Emma. Emma's song is Silent Worship from the opera Tolomeo by Handel, written in 1728. The original Italian aria, and I apologize for butchering the Italian, Non lo dirò collabro, is in Jane Austen's own music collection, although the adaptation for voice and piano in English was done in 1928 by Arthur Somerville. However, for audiences to understand what is being sung, it does make more sense to choose the version in English. 
using Italian may have raised the level of Emma's application and skill higher than Jane's. This is a great choice for Frank Churchill suddenly making it a duet, showing clear attention to Emma while singing about adoration of a beautiful lady with golden hair. Did you not hear my lady go down the garden sea? Blackbird and thrush were silent to hear the alleys ring. Oh, so you not my lady out in the garden there, shaving the rose and lily for she is twice as fair. Though I am nothing to her, though she must really look at me, and though I could Jane's song is much more melancholy, seemingly matching both her personality and giving it more sophistication. It is from the ballad opera The Beggar's Opera, written in the same year by English composer John Gay. Ballad operas, without going into too many nerdy details, were usually satiric musical plays, and the lyrics were often set to already known or popular tunes of the day. While Emma's song is about worshipping my lady, Jane's song sings the view that virgins are like beautiful flowers with bees and butterflies frolicking around them, but no longer alluring once plucked, ending with the words, There fades and shrinks and grows past all enduring, rots, stinks, and dies, and is trod underfoot. That part is in the background during the conversation, so we usually notice the words of the happier part. Virgins are like the fair flower in its luster which in the garden enamels the ground. The one note that we do notice is when Frank holds the highest note on dies. This is rather strong language in contrasting messages between the two ladies. To choose that as a duet between Frank Churchill and Jane Fairfax may throw off the scent that they are engaged, but I do wonder also if the choice of this bleak outlook is a way of showing Jane's despair regarding keeping their engagement a secret as she sees Frank flitting around Emma. It is also in minor to help with the contrast in mood. Neither of these songs are originally duets, which lends itself nicely to Mr. Knightley's disgust that Frank is showing off.
Moving over to the ball, the music is primarily dance tunes from the 1700s or earlier, such as Jacob Hall's jig heard in the background as Mr. Knightley and Emma talk. In each adaptation of Emma, there's a choice to make on which dance gets the special attention music. The dance where Mr. Knightley rescues Harriet from being snubbed by Mr. Elton, or the dance between Emma and Mr. Knightley. In this case, it is when Harriet is snubbed. They use the traditional smaller ensemble of strings with flute for the majority of the ball. But when Mr. Knightley starts dancing with Harriet, coming down the center aisle, the whole string section from the orchestra starts playing, reflecting both Emma and Harriet's joy. Here is Aretti's Dutch Skipper, which on the soundtrack is The Dance. The dance for Mr. Knightley and Emma is Mr. Beveridge's Maggot, perhaps more famous for being the dance between Elizabeth and Mr. Darcy in the 1995 miniseries of Pride and Prejudice. It sounds much more dramatic and serious in this movie as it lacks the lightness of period instruments. It is also a bit slower, the piece is naturally in minor, and there is no dialogue happening throughout. I think the idea is to increase the tension and growth of romantic feelings, at least from Mr. Knightley, but it comes across maybe a bit too heavy and serious. Here is a lighter version played by the Broadside Band. song to take note of is the slightly perplexing choice of Deck the Halls on the harpsichord at the Christmas party. The tune itself is quite old, being from the 1500s, and the harpsichord is itself an instrument used primarily in the 16 and 1700s. Other Jane Austen adaptations will use the harpsichord for older, rich characters often stuck in their ways, often reflecting being stuck in the past. However, that doesn't seem to apply here for the Westons. The other interesting part is that while the tune is old, the words that we associate with it is Deck the Halls, which was written in 1862. I'm going to speculate that they wanted to pick a cheery carol that would be recognized by the audience, being still relatively old and made to sound older and cheerful by using that choice of keyboard. that it's essentially the romantic comedy adaption of Emma, there's a good balance of the romantic and emotional melody and comedic themes. There's a lot of consistency in using the clarinet for her voice and connecting the opening few notes into two of the three main themes. 
From there, the story can change from the comedy to the drama, depending on the circumstances. The choice of themes throughout the movie tells us of a charming young woman who is both proud of her matchmaking skills and yet completely unaware of reality, growing both as a person, in friendship and in love, and even within her community. Next month, we are going to continue this three-part series on adaptations of Emma with Samuel Sims' score from the 2009 miniseries, perhaps the most serious of the three. You can join in on discussing all the musical moments regarding this Emma, or all of them, on the Facebook group World of Soundtracks, or on Twitter and Instagram at WO Soundtracks. Feel free also to like and subscribe, or even give a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Amazon. I highly recommend subscribing so you don't miss when the next episode comes out each month. Until next time, happy listening! A special thanks to all those involved to make this podcast happen, especially Edith Mudge for the title music and Lizzie Bergsma for the graphics. This is World of Soundtracks. Thank you.